Welcome back to Get Unstuck and On Target. I'm Mike O'Neill with Bench Builders. And whether we're working with supervisors to improve their people skills, or it's me coaching a leader one-on-one, -on -one, getting leaders and companies unstuck is at the heart of everything we do. And that's exactly what this podcast is all about. Joining me, it's Gabriel Diamant. Gabby is the co-founder of Bridgewise. Bridgewise is an Israeli-based research company whose technology offers AI-based stock analysis of essentially all public companies and in all languages. Regular listeners know I love bringing onto the podcast company founders, and I'm looking forward to our conversation. Gabby, welcome, Gabby. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, Mike. Gabby, as a starting point, since a number of our listeners might not be familiar with the investing space and how your technology helps them, could you put that in language that uh, would probably be understandable by most? What does your company do in short? Basically, what we see is the market is pretty much broken. The outcome force of the capital market is the individual investor. While people think about the individual investor, they see them as the less equipped investor. Actually, this is exactly the opposite of how they get themselves. And they don't think they need to have any less information than the professional investor have. But they are, they are facing two challenges. Okay, out of the entire market, Basically, you see that most of the sales analysts actually focus on blue chip American companies in English. While we love America and we know that America is the largest market of capital markets, it still has, it still signifies a very, very small portion of the entire universe. That creates a very strange situation where the individual investor will mostly invest by technical analysis, by recent event, by news read. By the Reddit news, by the Reddit news, or whatever is Frank told him. Basically, if we sum it up, he will invest by his punch. Hmm. This creates actually an arbitrage. Individual investor will lose money nominally, while the professional investor will peg himself to the benchmarks. Some will win, some will lose, but will lose. But the expectancy is very, very positive, and this is what we came to resolve. How do we resolve it? We actually analyze forty-four thousand companies. Globally, it doesn't matter if it's a, an Israeli company, a Chinese company, a Spanish company, or a U.S. company. And we cover every company from $10 million and up, basically every relevant public company. This creates, actually, this get, gets us off the under the flesh, like the vision, and we see what is hidden in plain sight. The way we do it is we do it through two IPs. The first IP is a very sophisticated algorithm. That is enabled to analyze company based on the fundamental and created a created an added value. We do it up to 48 hours after every company releases its uh, public report. The second one is we use a proprietary generative AI like micro language model that we have developed to create a structured report in any language. And basically right now we have one, over 1.5 million customers that are looking at our F reports. And we have over 35 institutional clients that are made, that are taking use as well. Goodness gracious. So let me see if I heard some of this correctly. And that is you're trying to put good information in the hands of an investor who typically does not have access to the depth of information that you can provide. And what I think I understood you to say is that if you total up the number of publicly traded companies, it's 44,000 plus companies so 
I want to actually sharpen the first, the first phase, not only that we aggregate the data, actually we give the opinion. When you go to ChatGPT and you ask him, what do you think about Tesla? Is it worthwhile investing? It will tell you, you need to go to an investment advisor. Okay. It can, it can stay in multiple, in multiple variations. We are a financial advisor. We are licensed in multiple regions across the world. And we actually analyze 44,000 companies and give an, a bottom line. Buy, uh, overperform, hold, underperform, or sell. But we cover them on also in the fundamental analysis. We have first sentimental, technical, and even is. I got you. You know, something I didn't realize also is the number of exchanges that are out there. I, I thought I could count maybe on a hand or two the number of exchanges, but am I right? There's like 130 plus exchanges throughout the world? There are 100 yeah. exchanges that have significant volumes of transactions. I think that, are, that there are over 200 registered, registered exchanges. So I'm getting a better understanding of the scope of the services and, and how you provide that. There's something else that we haven't talked about, and that is the ability to provide this type of analysis. And I don't know if the right term is, is investor uh, advisement, but you're able to do so in many different languages. Exactly. Goodness gracious. We, okay. Basically, we, we have built uh, we've built a language model that is enab enabling us. And I won't, go, I, don't, I won't get to details because then it will become really boring. But it enables us to move from English to any other language without the without loss of every quality of the of the language. The ability to do so creates the amazing situation that I can create a report on Itau Bank from Brazil in English, and I can create a report about Tesla in Portuguese. Basically, this is what, by the way, Bridgewise is a new name. Why is it Bridgewise? Because we're trying to bridge financial wisdom. We're trying to eliminate barrier after barrier after barrier. So the first and foremost is actually the barrier of money. You, you don't need to be a very rich or resourceful to get the, the research. The second one is this education. Our reports are written in a way that the individual investor that, that has no financial, uh, financial academic background, he will be able to read it in a very, in a very easy way, easy to read. And the third one is the language. And the language is a major obstacle. Uh, we work a lot in Brazil. In Brazil, 95% of the investor does not speak English, which means that all the, all the analysis that is running around the world about the largest companies in the, in the world, Tesla, JP Morgan, does not, is not relevant to them because it comes in a language that they don't understand. And you know it as well as I do that Google Finance won't cut it. That I do. You know, Gabby, you are not only a co-founder, you're a CEO of a company that has grown uh, pretty quickly. You have employees um, in different parts of the world. Can you elaborate a little bit about the process of how do you start your company? You mentioned that you, you changed the name um, to Bridgewise, and I love the name for the reasons that you just shared. But as a company founder, now CEO, did you find to be some of the challenges when you launched this business? Look, uh, I had, the, I had the, uh, the luck, the prerogative to found this company with my best friends. We went to, and we had a, a different startup before I, and we saw it. And what you will see most of the time, it's that the founding team, a lot of the time breaks and, 
uh, spread apart. For us, it was a hell of a ride for us and we just, we couldn't get enough of it. So we decided to do, the, to do it again. And we opened the company and they will give you another fact that I wasn't best to begin with. We decided right. that we want to do it, uh, to do it as a full partnership. We started as a hedge fund, but it, it was supposed to be a full partnership. Everybody take, take his own uh, territory. So I was in charge of the technology. Another guy was in charge of the product. Another guy on the sales and another guy on the operation. And we worked extremely well. And I will give you one of the challenges. One of the challenges was after we raised the pre-seed from two amazing angels, we wanted to grow more. And we started growing and everything went great. But when we wanted to fund our second round, a lot of this says, well, who's your CEO? Who is your CEO? So we decided to want to bring some someone from the outside. And that actually created the problem with that. We, I call it waiting for the Messiah. But okay, waiting for someone outside of your scope, outside of your core, your core people to come and save you. And this is the worst mistake every startup. Because once you're waiting for some help that will come from the outside, it means that you're moving your responsibility from the core team outside. Yes. Once the responsibility is not there, the ability to grow, to grow at the direction, at the, the pace that you want to, to do is actually out of your control. And um, so this was the main job. We brought an amazing CEO. I have nothing bad to say about him, but I think it was doomed to it was doomed to fail because of the fact that we are as founders, you know, the company Shanti was was a spreadsheet and it, it built itself and there is dynamics and you failed so many times before trying to find product market fit that entering inserting someone from the outside and giving the impossible impossible mission of understanding the company, taking back and learning everything that you have already learned. And leading the company in the same way is almost impossible. And so I will tell you, this was a pure challenge. And basically, although today I'm, I'm um, my title is a CEO, we still work as a founding team. Okay, you will not see, you will not see me coming and saying, "Do or you need to do X and Y." No, we are founding team, and I think that they are most of our strength, our strength come from our ability to be united. And I'll give you another, another small, small challenge. You need to be very egocentric as a company, as a group, not as an individual. Mm. Because every time we are failing, we're taking it personal and we want to, and we want to prove and to grow and to, and to improve. And the, the interesting stuff that everything that is relevant as a company as the individuals between the companies, not only the founding partners, we are completely selfless and we're like almost in within the company. So I think this, this combination is a combination that is very hard to find. Gabby, one thing that caught my attention about you and your company is kind of where you are from a developmental standpoint. I have the good opportunity to work with other companies. They're not necessarily startups, but they're at a point that they realize Somebody has to be in charge. And in this case, it sounds like y'all came to a similar conclusion, maybe from the outside world saying somebody needs to be in charge. But you said a couple of things that really did catch my attention. You have the good fortune to have as co-founders, very close friends. Yeah. Um, and you also indicated that there has to be kind of a selfless mindset. Everybody has to be willing to kind of roll up their sleeves um, because 
what you said is there will be setbacks, mistakes, and but you've got to kind of band together um, through this. Has the friendship, though you're in a business relationship, has it strengthened through this adversity? Definitely. We started the first startup not as friends. We yeah. as uh, people, I, I will give you the story about how we started. I picked uh, my partner's father for another startup and he told me, listen, I like the idea. I have a better one. I, but I think that you are the strengths of this startup. This was a, like a standalone startup all by myself. So, and he told me, listen, idea is not strong enough, but I think that you are strong enough. I want to introduce you, my two kids from now on to the rest of your life. You are, you are working together take this cent and a half and go build this startup with this idea that um, that I have in my head for a long time. So it, it was a very, I, I remember the, we sat in a coffee house in Ramat Tefal in Israel. So I remember it till today. And we didn't start it as friends and we actually went through a lot of challenge, but right now we are as close as being family as possibly can. So it's strengthened and it's strengthening. You know, one thing that I do pick up on as companies grow, oftentimes they struggle with maintaining that sense of family. The, the DNA seems to change. What thoughts have you all given to see that as your success results, that you don't lose sight of some of these core things that have defined y'all up to this point? I didn't quite get that, the question. The question I guess I would ask maybe a little differently is, your company has a feel, it has a culture, it kind of is who y'all are, and it's embodied sure. by your fellow co-founders. As you grow, I think you're at 50 plus employees, as you grow and you're in different parts of the world, in what ways might you attempt to maintain that DNA that's in place that has worked so well up to this point? So that's a perfect question. I think the the first thing is not, it's nothing that you need to do, especially for, we are touching every single employee every day. Okay. At least one of the, of the four founders. Okay. We're touching every single employee every day. There is not a day that one employee got to the end of the day without speaking to one of them. The second thing is, as you said, as we spread apart globally, we are flying all over. Okay. Um, so I was supposed to be in the U.S. right now, but we opened the branch in the, in the U.S. We have this, we have the country manager, Robert Schumacher, and I came to him months after that, and I stayed there for, for two and a half months to kick off the, the country. The ability to be there and to engage every day is what kept basically the structure very similar to what happened in Israel. In Brazil, I'm flying... One of my all 14 flies to Brazil every single month. You will not find months that one of us is not there. And when hiring people, we actually do a, we do a completed checks. Okay. So if someone is going to product, he will be interviewed from someone from the marketing. Mm. If got, someone is going to the marketing, he will be interviewed by someone who, go, who is in the product or in the development. Most of them goes through me. And on top of that, we have what we, what is called the beer check. Okay. Do I want to drink beer with a guy or not? Okay. Mm. Or, the, or a guy, of course. And on some occasion, we actually created a real beer check on the, on the <laughs> process, on the process of hiring. Man, and just went out to, to a drink, to, to drinks with it. And we are constantly working on maintaining the spirit. And when something goes out of the spirit, we know how to take care of it. You know, Gabby, you shared a number of things that proved to be 
lessons learned, mistakes made. Can you reflect on a time where perhaps you or uh, a client got stuck? And what did it take to get unstuck? Okay, so I will take a, situ- a very interesting situation. And we were in an amazing situation. We were a growing company and we had 150 incoming leads, but the number of closing was zero. Okay, so that was the first thing that was a phase where we all stopped and said, what is happening? We get the traction, but on the way to the closing, something gets stuck. Yes. And what we did, uh, we did a complete restructure of the company. This was when we decided, by the way, to set part with a previous CEO. And we decided the company will be built as an arrowhead to close deals. Mm. What does it mean? We had a team. We eliminated it. We changed it to account executive. We went to the product and the product, we tell them, listen, those are your priorities. If you come, if you have a client that needs something fixed, this is number one, because the, because the easiest money to earn is the money you don't lose. Yeah. Number two, if you have a guy that is about to close, but you need to create a feature for him, integration for him, this is your second priority. Everything, talk to me when you finish with the first one. And basically we aligned from top to the bottom, the entire company to close deal. Once we passed this Rubicon, we started bringing more leads again. But this was a very period of our company. I love the way you described, I think you called it an arrowhead. Did I hear that correctly? Um, yes. It obviously has worked, but for it to work, it required radical changes to how you literally were structured and how you conducted business. Um, it showed a willingness to adapt and to adapt radically. One of the things I really enjoy with working with organizations your size is that that oftentimes is still the case. As companies get larger, they tend to get less flexible. And as a result, they begin to kind of hit a wall. Um, you're providing a service that strikes me as being almost category defining. Um, I don't know your business well enough, but it seems to me you're providing something that there, you don't have a lot of competitors out there, but maybe I'm wrong. Do you have a lot of competition? Yes, actually, it was fun. It's a funny question because we were swimming in the extremely blue ocean up mm. until six months ago. Um, no, we did Gen AI when Gen AI wasn't the praise. Okay, we we got that NLP when when we started the company, and we had no competitors. Nobody did an AI research, financial research. It wasn't even a, it wasn't even a category, by the way. And what happened is that we said, okay, the, look at Morningstar. I want to take to take control, and I want to bite Morningstar heels. Okay. And going after them. At April, a game changer happened, which is GPT-4. The GPT-4 combined with the chat GPT brought the power to the world that was never seen before. Yeah. And, but not, it once seen, but only on the top levels of the technological, technological company. It brought the retail world a power that he has never seen or never imagined is possible. And for us, that was a game changer because First of all, we better we better we better our back because yay, we knew something in 2019. Everybody told us that we needed to focus on graphs and aggregation, and we said no. We want to focus on the analysis. We wanted to focus on the rationale. But the second part was, oh my God, what just happened? So um, the tectonic shifts happen. I'm in the middle of the hardest topic in the world. I have the advantage, but I have giants right now that are running after. Yes. And I think what we did extremely well in that situation 
And thank you for the, pro the uh, praise category defining. This is exactly what we're trying to do. And this was exactly the mindset when we decided to respond to the, respond to the challenge was, okay, so this happened, what are we doing? And in less than a month and a half, we had a board meeting analyzing the strength, weaknesses, opportunities, and so on. And then analyze our unfair advantages. On our case, the unfair advantage was regulation. The unfair advantage was the complete control in everything that comes out of our language model. And the unfair advantage was the laser sharp focus that we are. And so those three, those three layers have actually created the laser created an unfair advantage of us. And we decided, okay, so what are we going to change? And the first and foremost, we said, okay, we are going to be a category defining company. We have two things that we can fail on them. Fail on. The first one is now right now language model is a thing. So we have competitor, we have comparison. We need to make sure that our language is flawless. So we created a full innovation team that all it does, it's taking focus on the language model. The world can collapse behind, around it. They will keep on focusing the language model and improving it and make it more and more precise. The second thing was business-wise. We were planning on going to the U.S. in the middle of 20, 2025. After we mm. gained a lot of traction from around the globe where our language barrier our language uh, advantage is so, is so strong. What we understood is to become a category defining company in the finance world, you need to be in New York. So it took us less than a month after the, after the board meeting to hire a local manager, as I told you, Robert. And two months after it, I moved with my entire family for three months to the U.S. to kick off the, to kick off the company and to kick off the local branch which I'm glad to say was one of the best bets we took. Uh, we signed some really big names. I'm guessing that by the time it will be heard, you can actually say that Nasdaq just signed with us a few weeks ago as a client. So really, really proud of it. Wow. For those listening, you and I first met in September. We're recording this in late October. In all likelihood, this will go live in early January. Um, Gabby, you've given us two examples. I don't know if they were back-to-back -back or not, but the first one was the, the decision to basically reinvent how you did business so that you could have a significant impact on that close ratio and the ability to adapt. I think you called it almost a tonic shift yeah. because everybody was jumping on the AI bandwagon, the bandwagon that you had already been on for some time. Um, and you basically recognize we've got something that's still highly competitive. Let's seize that. And it sounds as if you even accelerated your expansion plans because if you didn't get in, you might get left behind, um, at least in the eyes of others. Is as CEO trying to kind of keep the foot on the gas, maybe that's an expression you're familiar with, but to kind of keep that going, is that something you see as your role? to find that right pace of growth without outstripping the company's capabilities? That's an amazing question. I will tell you why. I'm, you know, I'm going and I'm fundraising a lot. And today we are, we are in a phase that everybody says, slow down, slow down, keep money, keep your right runway. You need, and when we started the company in 2019, everybody said, burn, 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 burn. And I'm always saying exactly the same thing. 
when everybody told us to burn money, we, we paced ourselves. We developed a product and we wanted to, to achieve product market fit and we didn't expand beyond the reach. But now when you're telling me to slow down, no, no, I am one, I, I get us and my dress, rich rise. Is one of the individual companies that can start global. We don't need to start with the U.S. and then expand little by little. We need to, to explode immediately. And the reason we, we, we need and we want to do it, because on markets like Latin America, the first that will go to market not only will control it, it will actually discourage a lot of other competitors for even begin. And we see it happen in Brazil right now, closely. So, major, major dealers that when someone is coming to check to see if there is new technology, they will come to us to check it. In Israel, it's actually twice as severe. We control over 80% of the market. And when a client wants anything that is related remotely to finance and remotely to, they are calling us to say, listen, do you have VSG? And we said, no, and it happened six months ago. And we say, not yet, but I understand exactly what I need to do. For when do we need it? And they told us they need it for the beginning of the year. I said, no problem. You can count on us. Come here, these are partner of ours. And we move forward. And I think this is one of the parts that I, I will tell you. Me as a CEO, my, my, my role is actually to fight to, to create the rapid growth, but to listen very well uh, to the smart people around me. When they are telling me to stop, to slow down, it's my... It's definitely my role, not only to listen, if I agree with that, to push to the same direction. Basically, I try to be sort of a bar barometer and to, to not only to agree and follow, actually to agree and lead. You know, that term barometer is a great term, and that is surround yourself with very smart people, listen to them, and when it is clear, this is what we need to do, get in front and kind of lead the charge. Gabby, as you kind of reflect on this conversation, what do you want to be those takeaways? I think that they adapting when things are good, being bad are bad, but adapting and understanding the risk when things are being very, very good, looks very, very good because ignoring the risk from a very good, good scenario is one of the things that will bring to a downfall. And the third one is taking, taking, understanding and uh, understanding the situation to be to the best of your knowledge. After the, you do that, when you're in the team, if you are outspoken, not you don't only go and you accept the the, the majority, you join them and lead to the direction that they paved. Um, I think this is one of the this is one of the, my key roles. And one of the things that I would say is between fifty percent of the time that I'm arguing with anybody in the team, I lose. And this is. The thing I enjoy the most. Gabby, I really appreciate your willingness to share your insights with us today. If folks want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Um, through LinkedIn or through mail, I think it stays. And let me, for the, for the folks who might say, well, how do you spell Gabby's name? Um, I think you're listed in LinkedIn. Let me double check how that's set yes. up. But Gabby, G-A-B-Y, short for Gabriel. Uh, and your last name is Diamant, D-I-A-M-A-N-T. Uh, it is on LinkedIn that you and I first um, got to know each other. Uh, it led to a conversation that's led to to this podcast recording. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. Thank you, Mike. It was a pleasure, it's a pleasure being here, and I'm expecting you to call me again. I, I would like that. I also want to thank our listeners for joining us today. 
You know, my passion is building leaders, leaders that people follow, not because they have to, but because they want to. And therefore, if you are a business leader and you're struggling with issues such as high turnover or poor execution, let's talk. Head over to bench-builders.com to schedule a call. So I want to thank you again for joining us. And I hope you have picked up on some quick wins from Gabby that will help you get unstuck and on target.